Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle, the Christian girl's guide to modern dating. We're here to help you date with confidence while honoring the Lord and to show you that your identity and contentment are in Christ. We're going to give you the tools that you need to date successfully and be set up well for success in a godly marriage. If you've ever felt like you didn't really belong with any of the extremes in dating today, well, you're not alone. Neither did we. And that's why we're here looking for the middle. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Looking for the Middle. Thanks for joining us. We're happy to have you. Bethany is here with me. Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) Normally, she chimes in the first couple sentences, and so I just wanted to make it clear I'm not (laughs) flying solo here. We're still going strong. We have a very fun episode for you today on waiting for Boaz dot 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 or not (laughs) the suspense i'm sure i'm sure it's killing everyone (laughs) yes but before we jump into that we obviously have our housekeeping things at the top so bethany take it away okay two things newsletter and social media if you've listened to more than probably about two episodes you basically know the spiel by now so we have both of those things so if you go to our website uh you can sign up for the newsletter there or go to our instagram lftm underscore podcast follow us and you can sign up for the newsletter through the link in our bio there that's really what you should do because it's efficient you can do both at the same time and then you're following us and we can hang out on instagram so yes. instagram is the one-stop shop yes. for us we've been slacking lately though i know i feel I bad oh, i didn't do a social media calendar. that's what it was that's i was why. like why can i i didn't even think yep. about it your girl dropped the ball we'll that's okay um <laughs> <laughs> Bethany's still been doing Meme Monday, which I feel like is why 90% of people follow us now. Probably. So, also, we take meme, like, yes. memes from y'all. We've had, like, several of the memes we've shared the past, what, three or four weeks yeah. now are starting to come from listeners. Oh, yeah, so for if a you while. See, and we had a couple people create them. Yes. Which is funny. I love too, that. So, yes. whoever, yeah. I don't know if she made it or suggested it, but sent the What I Like About You <laughs> meme, I got so excited. Um, and very much identified with it. I haven't spoken two words to him, but I've already named our children. So I was like, that is me. It was. That is me. Oh my so, goodness. But yes, if you have a meme, feel free to go send it over okay. on Instagram. All right. Question of the day. Yes. Which if you listen to last week's episode, you know what this is going to be. Because Bethany is. came up with it and I stole it. So Bethany. Yes. What is one thing your family did growing up that you thought was normal or that other families, you thought other families did, but yeah. that was not the case. I think one of the big ones, and this isn't really something like we did, it's kind of just how we are, is like in my family, everyone just kind of talks at the same time to whoever it is they're wanting to talk to, even if everyone's in the same room. You just kind of yell at whoever you're wanting to talk to all at the same time. And so we kind of all talk loud, we talk over each other, and we're pretty sarcastic, so it's a good chance we're like roasting someone. Um... (laughs) Which growing up, you learn to keep up like mm-hmm. you just did. And I just thought that was normal, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very not. Um, I've had friends like come for like Thanksgiving or if they didn't have somewhere to go home or it was far or whatever, they'll come to holidays and it's like, oh, wow, like you're, <laughs> your family's a lot basically. <laughs> and so I'm always nervous. Like if I'm bringing someone home, mm-hmm. like that I'm dating, I'm like, okay, I don't want to like warn them too much to where they're like super nervous about it going in but i also don't want them to be blindsided yeah because it we're everyone's super nice oh yeah totally like it's not like this mean intimidating whatever it's just a lot but i just thought everybody's family was like that and then i'll go to other places and i'm like oh oh this is quiet time quiet. <laughs> only one person talks at yeah. once yeah that was something uh dylan we all heard dylan dylan yeah. was on a mental all uh my sister's boyfriend when he first started dating Danielle, like he was so overwhelmed because <laughs> we kind of everybody yeah. just talks Y'all over are each the other. Same way. Yeah, everybody talk. My dad always gets on to us when we go into a restaurant. He's like, everybody in that restaurant just heard every single conversation. Oh, that's we had all my we dad. All... He's like, Bethany, the people in the other corner don't need to hear what you're ordering for dinner. I'm like, okay, got it. Sorry. <laughs> um, but then now Dylan just like jumps on in, and then his family's like, what is like, what are you doing? Like, why why are you talking while someone else is talking? He's like, this is this is how this is now. But yeah, that was one of the first things that came to my mind was just the volume yeah i think i don't really know how to explain this but i feel like this is the thing that most people point out to me that's Uh different about our family is like we just went to everything for everybody together Mm. 
and that was just the norm like from the time i was playing t-ball when i was four until danielle graduated like if we were there if we could be there like we would go to sporting events spelling bees you know i won the cheer competition grade did you really i did i didn't know that diary oh which is an easy word it's an easy word and they we went through all the words the fourth grade words wow it was me and this other kid they had to actually go get words from the fifth grade spelling bee in the other room so fancy i know anyway sorry i interrupted your story no see (laughs) it's fine welcome to my house i've been around their family (laughs) enough i know how this works i listen back to episodes sometimes and i'm like oh no it's fine (laughs) speaking of spelling bees i do want to tell this story really quick so i never made the spelling bee even though i tried I would always make it really? to the top eight and only the top three per class uh-huh. would get to the B and then there was an alternate. Oh. Never could get to the, even the alternate, like, never could the get there. I misspelled spaghetti in oh, eighth grade. Oh. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Eighth grade. Which I'm like, can come you on. spell spaghetti now? Yes, I can. S-P-A-G-H-E-T-T-I. Good job. I switched to the E and the H. S-P-A-G-E-H-T-T-I? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that works too. Right? Yeah. Okay, so see, I wasn't totally just like, it wasn't like Paschetti, like a two-year-old says it, but couldn't do it. My little brother, who y'all know, okay, I was the academic uh-huh. one. I mean, I played sports, but school was my thing. Brett was good at school, but sports were his thing. He freaking made the spelling bee. And, and he didn't even try. He didn't even try. And so he gets up there. His first word is bumblebee. That's only one word. Yes, which oh, I don't know. Bumblebee. Okay. okay, so but he is terrified he's gonna make a fool of himself. So he's like, B you <laughs> so close. Makes it the like the nerdy kid that wins it every year got out the first round with some ridiculous word. Oh my so then word. Brett comes back around, the teacher that's got the list, she's like, Oh, you've got this next word. Frostbite. <laughs> He's like, I didn't know if it was B-I-T-E or B-I-G-H-T. And I was really second-guessing myself. So he so he spells frostbite correctly. Like, he's literally like, B-I-T-E. Like, cringing. That's correct, Brett. Yes. Okay. Goes back around. Third word is iota. He did not misspell it. He did because that was a very common used word in my house. Uh-huh. However, how we talk, iota, iota not iota. It's spelled, spelled with, with a D. T. He, he spelled it with a D. a D. Because it's my, he's like, my mom always said, I don't give one iota. I-O-D-A. Like Yoda. Yeah. And it was, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. It's iota with a T. But he makes it to like the top, like he placed. And the kid that's in his hilarious. class that makes it every year, his dad came up to Brett and was like, that is the most entertaining spelling bee I've ever been to in my entire life. Because Brett's something cringing, exactly. Because Brett's cringing over frostbite. Um, oh, that's hilarious! But anyways, so that's he loves to tell that story. But I just thought it was a funny one. That anyways, one. yes, it our fate. Like we just went to everything, and now like I have my team that I coach, uh-huh. and a lot of these girls like their siblings don't come. Like they don't even have both parents at every game. Yeah, which I realize like not everybody can do that, and right. I do real, realize like that was a really big blessing that my dad got to coach me all the way up and my mm-hmm. mom's you know stayed home or whatever but i'm like wait what you're not even here. like you didn't, there are some siblings didn't come all year i'm oh, like you wow. didn't even come to one game yeah. like you go to school here like it's not far <laughs> but it was it's just so funny it's to me of like yeah it's so different uh-huh. but um and then people think i'm weird because i go watch my sister hold a clipboard and coach like which i get that does sound weird <laughs> um but it's just kind of like oh we all just go together and yeah well, so. Christian's grandparents came to her tennis match that the other true. day. <laughs> My, which we won the city finals, yes. y'all. You're welcome for that plug. Thank you so much. But anyways, yes, that was my random thing that my family did. That, <laughs> But it is funny, though, like how you just assume everybody's family is like uh-huh. yours. And then you get out and you're like, oh, they're not even the majority of people no. in like some areas yeah. were like mine. It was so different, but yeah. you never know. Alrighty, well, hard left turn to yes. talking about Ruth and Boaz because okay, then. <laughs> there is no segue from. There's just the, not. We gotta do a better job at that. Maybe of like. Maybe that's our thing is that we don't. That's true. They want to know about us. Yeah. See? Sometimes it's it's not related. There's just no way to go from spelling bees to this <laughs> to Boaz. Nope. <laughs> Nobody can spell that. Oh my gosh. Alrighty. <clears throat> so we want to talk about waiting for your Boaz because. 
can you sense the sarcasm in my voice? Because that seems to be quite the catchphrase when it comes to Christian circles and dating advice for women specifically. It's, you girl, you wait on your Boaz. You wait for your Boaz. Okay. If you actually take the time to read the story of Ruth, which I highly recommend you do if you haven't. It's a very quick book. Four, four chapters. chapters. I read it today prepping for this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's super quick. You will see that Ruth just wasn't waiting around for her Boaz as it's communicated to us a lot of times Uh and when we get that advice. In fact, she didn't even know about Boaz, had no intention of meeting him when she did. So it's very misleading when we're given this advice. Well, and one thing I want to point out too, and I don't, because I don't really know where else to point it out in the outline here. You also, people talk about waiting for Boaz. And then on the flip side, they use Ruth as the license to you just take the initiative and you go make things happen and you just pursue, pursue, pursue because Ruth went and laid at his feet and she was the one making the first move. So it's like two extremes that we're using the same story for one, but two, Mm -hmm. I just want to point out that like her going and laying at his feet and it was like a marriage proposal. That was a like tradition, a practice. It wasn't this like, out of the box wild idea she had that she's just going to go do this thing and that'll show him that she's interested. We try to look at that through a Western modern lens and it's not. That was a practice. That was a tradition. That was a custom. It may not have been super common, but he knew immediately what she, because if you notice, she never said, will you marry me? He knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, so just pointing that out. Well, too. and it gets real tricky when you try to compare modern dating to yes. anything that happened in biblical times because dating did not exist. Yeah. And I know that people do their very best to try to draw parallels as much as they can with stories like this. And I get it, but we really got to be careful on yeah. the advice we're extending and the basis we're getting or using for that advice. Yeah. If it's a reach. Well, and you have to look at it. I think a lot of times, and we'll get into more of this about like what this book is really about, the book of Ruth, but we get into these things of like trying to say that the way Ruth, the way that happened is like prescriptive of like how you should do things as opposed to just descriptive of what was going on and we can glean principles from it. Mm-hmm. It's not a prescriptive thing of saying this, thou shalt do this. Exactly. That's not what this book is. And if you take these things out of context, you're going to miss what it really is about, which is always better. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what it's about is always better, not the ripping yes. out of yes. context, just yes. to be clear. But two, you have to be careful because you ha- all we have is our modern day lens. Mm-hmm. And if you're wanting to apply biblical principles to your dating by keeping your dating life and the way you do things the, w- the same way. And then you try to find verses that you can pluck out and apply to what you already just want to do as opposed to going to scripture and saying, okay, what is this telling me? What is this showing? What is this about? And how should it change what I'm currently doing? Mm-hmm. You got to be real careful about which of those two things you're doing. Yeah. Well, and I think exactly what you just said, you're looking for biblical principles here. Yes. It's not a, this is exactly what she did. So I'm going to go lay at some dude's feet and uncover his, you know, feet. And then he'll know I yeah. like him. Like, it's obviously not the same thing. And you I'm being facetious, but you're looking for the principles. That's why we point to, you know, first Corinthians 13. That's why yeah. we point to the fruit of the spirit. That's why we point to, you know, different ways that Jesus talked about how to relate to people, how to treat people, mm-hmm. because that applies not just in dating, but any relationship you'll have yeah. on earth. And those are going to be a little, more clear when it mm-hmm. comes to applying them to your lives and you're not having to reach and try to make something fit. Yeah. Um, and like I said, we're going to learn a lot from Ruth here. <laughs> I'm not saying this isn't applicable because, no. oh my gosh, there's so much to be learned from her in this but book. letting scripture speak for itself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we're going to summarize Ruth chapter one. Uh, Bethany's going to do that. Then I'm going to read part of Ruth chapter two, just to give you the picture here and then we're going to take a look at what we can actually learn from Ruth how she acted how she worked how she carried herself and see what quote-unquote waiting for Boaz actually looks like according to scripture yes so Bethany why don't you kick us off with Ruth chapter one okay 
I'm going to just summarize this. I'm not reading any verses. I'm just going to kind of give you a picture because it kind of sets the stage of what we're looking at here. So obviously, if you want more, go read. I was going to say go read Ruth 1. Go read the whole thing. But when Ruth opens, you have Elimelech. I never remember. Yes, it is. In it or it's not. Elimelech. Okay. You're right. You have Elimelech and Naomi, their two sons, who are leaving Israel because there's a famine. They're going to Moab. Now, Moab is a cursed land. The Moabites were not people that were held in high regard, let's say. So they are going to Moab to escape the famine. I think it's over the course of 10 years that they're there that the father and the sons die. The sons have both gotten married. Ruth is one of the daughters-in-law. Um, but the father dies and then both of the sons die. They didn't have any other sons. And in the Jewish custom, in the, not custom because it was spelled out in, I think, Leviticus. Tradition. Well, it's even like more than tradition because like. Is it law? God, I guess law. These are principles from God. Like this is what you do. Okay. In that time, there's what was called the leveret marriage, which is if in Ruth's case, her husband died. Well, they didn't have any children that at all that are mentioned definitely not any sense to carry on that line. And so in there, in the Jewish tradition, then another son would marry her and carry on that line. That is how they did it. It's like our Hallmark movie of the month. (laughs) Yes. Oh, it totally is. Oh my word. We didn't even plan that. Yes. If you go watch Loving Leia, you'll get a good idea of it. But they didn't have any other sons. And there's a little part in Ruth chapter one where Naomi is saying, go home, go back to your people. I don't have any other sons. Even if I got married today, like I wouldn't have sons and you wouldn't want to wait for them to grow up. She's saying, there's nothing I can do for you. So Naomi decides she's going back to Israel. She tells Ruth and Orpah, go back. Like I can't do anything for you. And Orpah does. She returns to her people. And I want to know in Ruth one, it says she returned to her people and her gods. Hmm. The Moabite people were not God followers. They were idolaters. They did not follow the Lord. So Orpah returned to that. But this is where right after that, Ruth says, where you go, I will go. Your gods will be my gods. It showed Ruth was desiring to follow the Lord. Ruth was pursuing God. So Orpah goes home, Ruth and Naomi go back, and I think they end up in Bethlehem. But one thing I want to point out too, it notes, let me pull it. I have it right here. I think it's at the very, maybe the very last verse. Yeah. So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning, which you don't really think twice about, but this, that one little thing. And then when you play it out through the rest of the book just shows the sovereign hand of God in all of this, because if the The barley wasn't being harvested, what would Ruth be gleaning in the fields? What would she be doing there? Like, the timing of that is so providential for all the rest of these pieces to walk out. And then jumping way ahead here, we all know that Jesus himself is a descendant from Ruth. Like she's listed in the lineage of Christ. And she so, is David's great grandmother. Yes. I had to look that up today. Yes, she but is. yes, for reference. So, yeah, because Boaz, Obed, Jesse, David, David. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Just that one little thing. And think, look at the ramifications of that. Yeah. So anyway. I love that. That summarizes Ruth chapter one. They've gotten back. Like we said, they were arriving. Arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So now that set the stage of chapter one. Yes. So moving into chapter two, I'm going to read verses one through 11, just so y'all have the full picture here. So, which, fun fact, before we start, the field where it is believed that Ruth met Boaz was like harvesting is right near the same field where the shepherds were when the angel appeared to them and told them oh, that Jesus so was weird. born. You don't think about these things being close to each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so Isn't cool. That cool? Isn't that super cool? Yeah. Okay. So Ruth two verses one through 11. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. 
Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, that phrase will come up later, pay attention to that. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answer. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvest, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Mm-mm-mm. Sorry. <laughs> there's just so much. We're going to unpack all that. But yeah. There's just so much good there. And I I don't hate, hate is a strong word. It's heartbreaking that we've boiled this down mm. to just wait for your Boaz. Like there's so much more to the story than that. Well, and if you, we actually, you know what? We can put this in the newsletter. Mm-hmm. Our church did a series through Ruth a few years ago. It was so good. I don't remember all of the details. Like I couldn't sit here and tell you all of the things, but we can put a link to it. Yeah, that's good. In idea. the um, newsletter. But one thing, if you go through all of Ruth, you'll see that like the book of Ruth is primarily about Naomi. Mm. Like she's Ruth isn't. I mean, obviously it's a primary thing, but it's about Naomi and her coming back and her being bitter and why did the Lord treat me this way and all these things. And then her renewing her love for the Lord and coming back to him in the end, that's more of the overarching story. Um, but anyway, we won't get into all that, but yeah, like you said, it's, there's so much to this and we reduce it down to this. Ooh, cute love story, which isn't even the point. Um, so now let's pause for a second before we jump into like, okay, here's what we can learn from Ruth and here's what you can do. Let's talk about the book of Ruth as a whole for just a second. Um, and I just jotted down several things to note about the book of Ruth. The first one is the book of Ruth is not a dating and relationship textbook. That's not the point of it. And I think we miss the point when we try to make it that just as with anything else in scripture, when you try to make it something that it's not, you've completely missed the context you've missed the point and so this is not a textbook of like okay here's this a plus b pattern that you should follow in finding a husband and if you do these things then this is what will happen for you <laughs> that's not what it is um at all so the point of this book is that it paints a picture that points to jesus jesus is our ultimate kinsman redeemer which Boaz is displaying in this book and in those times the plight of single widowed women with no relatives to turn to was complete destitution there was it was a very hopeless situation it was not one that was just like oh I'll find someone else like you're up to survive yeah it was very difficult And then on top of that, Ruth was a Moabite woman. And like we said, the Moabites were an idolatrous people who had rejected God and generally were enemies of Israel. So she's not starting at zero. She's starting in the negative already. And she like, she had to know she was getting herself into that when she chose to stay and continue with Naomi, which speaks highly of her character. And I think it speaks highly of her saying, your God is my God of knowing who she was ultimately serving. But all of that is a picture of our destitution in our sin and how highly unlikely and nothing to do with our own merit our salvation is. 
and just the kindness that was shown to us through our kinsman redeemer, who was Jesus. And I mean, in our sin, we had no hope. We had no future. And we had no way to improve our situation on our own. And then I was like, say, but God, you know, in Ephesians, was it two, four and five? Where it says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. So that's what this is a picture of. They had no hope. They had no like societal way of moving up. They were stuck except for their kinsman redeemer. And that's what the book of Ruth is pointing to. The ultimate picture of Jesus redeeming and saving his people. Yeah, that's good. So, though, in light of all of that, it doesn't mean we can't learn things from Ruth. It doesn't mean we can't take things from her life and how she went about it. So let's do that. Let's look at some of those principles, like we were saying, of what we can pull out of this book about Ruth and answer the question, was she sitting around waiting for her Boaz? So, <laughs> yes. yes. Well, so let's talk about that. I want to point out a few things that just kind of hit me right off the bat reading through this about Ruth. Number one, Ruth was not idle. Ruth went to work and she went to work hard. Mm-hmm. I like that they noted that she got there that morning and other than one break, she didn't quit. Yeah. Like she was going. And it wasn't this, oh, I'm going to work hoping I'm going to meet some dude while I'm there. No. It's no, I'm going to work because I'm going to go provide for my mother-in-law and me because we have no other means and I'm going to I guess it was like you said last episode you're working unto the Lord Mm -hmm. and not for men and that's exactly what she was doing and it wasn't this oh I'm just gonna you know ride it out and see what happens and I'm coming back here I don't know it would have been very easy for her to just be like I don't know where I'm at I don't know these people I don't know what I'm doing I'm just gonna kind of chill for a little bit and see how this pans out no she went straight to work and I loved that that was the first thing that they talk about was like she went into the field she did she was definitely not a damsel in distress no not at all not at all I also love that she wasn't fearful like she had so much boldness to again get out of what was comfortable it would have been way easier for her to go back to her own people go back to her own family all these people I mean you put yourself in like it's so easy to (laughs) separate yourself from these stories but put yourself in her shoes you've married this guy you've been with his family you're far from home left everything familiar and then was given the opportunity to go back so your husband dies your brother-in-law dies your sister-in-law goes back to her people your father-in-law's dead it's literally you and your mother your mother-in-law all right I don't Naomi I'm sure was wonderful we don't like I'm just saying put yourself in her shoes and she chooses to stay with her not go back to her family not go back to her comfort zone not go back to her own land and pursue ultimately the Lord Mm -hmm. and then all this I mean you said she's in the lineage of Jesus. Like yeah. she's one of the few women. It was it four women that are in the lineage of Her, Jesus, and she's one of Rahab. them. Um, I don't. I'm trying to think of who the others were. There's uh, three or four, but yeah. she's and it, for a female to be listed in lineage yeah. is huge. Mm-hmm. And so all of that came after. Her, again, the Lord giving her that boldness and that courage to not be fearful and not go back into her comfort zone, which is something in dating we should all be reminded that there's value in because it is easy for you to stay in your comfort zone. And it is easy for you to stay wherever is familiar and do what's familiar. And every now and then it may be good for you to. Yeah. And God may call you Mm -hmm. like he may be leading you to do something, whether it's dating or not. Yeah. That is uncomfortable and it's outside your comfort zone but it stretches your trust in him mm-hmm. and just like with her she was going back she was trusting the lord she was pursuing him and he took care of her so it's the same mm-hmm. thing with this whether it's dating whether it's career whether it's school whether it's social whatever it is that comes down to do you trust the lord are you going to be obedient overall yeah i heard it i can't remember. i'm going to butcher this but i heard <laughs> it said this was years ago where somebody, it may have been a pastor, was talking about um, 
like you know you're called to do something and it's scary and mm-hmm. it's terrifying he's like it's in reality you should be more scared of not going absolutely of not following the lord's mm. lead of not pursuing what he's clearly leading if the lord's being clear with you because sometimes it's like oh i'm not really sure if he y'all know when he's being clear <laughs> like i can point to several times but i'm like oh he was very clear about this he was very clear mm-hmm. about that you've got to follow that yeah and that's exactly what Ruth did here and set an amazing example for us. And like Bethany said, whatever area of your life that is yeah. to have that kind of courage to move forward in whatever the Lord is leading you to do. Even if it's getting out of your comfort zone and dating, you never <laughs> yes. know. Another thing I love about Ruth is that she was not proud. She was not high on herself. She was not. Yeah, she know. wasn't above doing this. No, not at all. And not only that, but she was so humble when Boaz was talking to her. She's like, why have you found favor on me? I'm a foreigner. I mean, she start. you yeah. know, she and we only have a, you know, parts of this conversation, I'm sure. But I mean, like we've talked about, she's a foreigner. She's a Moabite. She her people and all the their baggage what that implies she's widowed she has no hope of marrying another person in this family like everything that could be against Uh her was well and i think a lot of times too we're called out of our comfort zone we're we do hard things we do things that we're scared of and all those things and i think god leads us to those places a lot of times to humble us Mm -hmm. because it gets us outside of our own strength yep something that only he can do and that's humbling yeah that is a very lowly place to be but it's so good yeah for sure for sure and so you see ruth you know living that out in Mm -hmm. these verses and reading chapter two you see that she wasn't proud she didn't act like she deserved anything again she wasn't a damsel in distress like somebody (laughs) help me i can't help (laughs) myself no she was willing to do whatever it took and then was humble when she was even when she was shown favor, she was still humble, which mm-hmm. I loved. And then the other thing I also loved about her is that she wasn't selfish. You know, she put others first, particularly her mother-in-law. And other people noticed, including Boaz. Mm-hmm. People are going to notice selflessness because it's so dang rare <laughs> in our culture today. Yeah, And... I mean, I'm sure it's been it's been rare as far as long oh, as humanity yeah. has been a thing. But I feel like it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And when people I mean, even I'll see uh, like my brother the other day held the door for somebody at church. Yeah. At church of all places. <laughs> and they're like, oh, thank you. I'm like, are yeah. you surprised? This is yeah. the South at a church on Easter. It was on Easter. Yeah. This is what we do. I'm like, it's so, even just yeah. little stuff, or at restaurants when my dad will open a door for some, or just random things, people are surprised mm-hmm. and they take note because like, oh, that's a very selfless thing to do. Not that big of a deal, <laughs> yeah. but it is. And the same thing goes here. Ruth's selflessness was taken note of. Yeah. <laughs> Lo and behold, by her future husband, she didn't know that. That's no. what, and that wasn't why she was doing that's it. That's exactly what I was going to say is sh- y'all note. And this is how I think we, a big indicator that we can tell this was not a romance textbook this is not a dating how-to book she was not quote-unquote looking you know verse three i guess that you read up here it says i think you mentioned that it'll come back around it says as it turned out she was working in a field belonging to boaz that's almost like if i think of it this way of like we're going along this story and there's like the narrator like she's going about her work and the narrator's like what she didn't know was and that kind of thing like as it turned out she was working in a field belonging to boaz she wasn't looking for that she was doing the next right thing she was doing the thing that was in front of her that needed to be done and god rewarded her diligence Mm -hmm. as you're saying all these like really sophisticated like narrated things i'm thinking like oh if it was a southern narrator be like well doggone it wouldn't you know that boaz owned that field like that is literally what's going through my head and right before now. him his daddy owned it yeah and before that they bought it from the guy next down the street in the south oh my word but yes you're exactly right she wasn't 
there weren't ulterior motives no. here to this. She mm-hmm. was just being who she was and doing what she needed to do. Yeah. And that's the beauty of obedience. Yeah. Exactly. So with that in mind, what does that mean for us? What does that look like practically speaking? You know, you're listening, you're like, okay, that's great. I've heard the story of Ruth, or maybe I haven't heard it, but now I have from y'all. So what do I do if this isn't a dating textbook? What can I learn about dating and relationships and how I should be living my life as a single woman from Ruth? And what does waiting for Boaz actually mean? (laughs) Not just, oh, honey, sit around waiting, you know, maybe he'll come save you, you know, it's no. (laughs) So what does that mean? It means we should go out into the fields of life, if you will, rather than being idle. Like we said earlier, Ruth wasn't idle. So you're going out into the fields. You're going to work. You're getting involved in church. You're, you know, getting involved with activities, things with your friends, things in your community. You're serving. Whatever that is, you're doing something. You're not sitting at home waiting to fall in love with the Amazon delivery guy. Like, y'all know that's our thing, but like, it's true. And you're doing these things without the sole motivation of trying to meet somebody. That's what I think it's going to come back to is Ruth meeting Boaz was a byproduct of her living her life the way she did, but it wasn't like a goal. It wasn't the intentional byproduct. It happened and it was happening in the sovereignty of God as we see in the timing of all of this, but she wasn't going to work and being selfless with her mother-in-law and doing all these things because she wanted a guy to notice her. Yeah. It was just, she was going to work and working hard. Exactly. And we should be doing the same thing without thinking, oh, if I do all these things and I get involved in all this stuff, then hopefully I'll meet somebody. Mm-hmm. If you do, great. But if that's your only goal, you've got to kind of dial it back. And be like, hey, what's my yeah. real motivation here? And what needs to change so that I have the right perspective and the right heart going into this rather than everything being zoned in on the goal is to get married. Yeah. Like there is more to life yeah. than just that. And you're going to miss out on all the benefits of all of these things and all the blessings that come from all of these things if you are, you know, thinking, oh, well, I didn't find my husband, so I've failed. Right. So keep that in mind. So we need to go out rather than being idle. We need to be bold and courageous to follow God's path rather than being scared to get out of our comfort zone. We just talked about this. But whatever, I'll just say this. Do with it what you will. If you <laughs> feel like the Lord is clearly calling you to do something i really would ask you encourage you to ask yourself what's holding you back like mm-hmm. why are you hesitant what is because god's not discouraging wrong. you exactly exactly and if it's just fear if it's just it's unknown if it's i've never done this before if it's how is this gonna mm-hmm. if god's calling you to do something if he's leading you down a path he's not gonna lead you down the path and like push you off yeah. a cliff What's the saying? You can trust an unknown future to a known God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, who is that? I don't know. Hold on. Look it you, up. You can look it up. <laughs> but it's it's exactly what it is. You know, you don't have to know everything because he does. You just need to know the next step. And if he's making that next step clear to you, mm-hmm. now's the time to take it. Corey Tinboom. Corey, t- of course. Yeah. <laughs> Why would it be any other? <laughs> So keep that in mind, bold and courageous. We should also be humble. This goes back to, is it in one of the, one of Peter's epistles, the gentle and quiet spirit? Where is that? Um, Is that in Colossians? Hold on. Killing it with the Bible references today, (laughs) y'all. First Peter 3, 4. I was right. Yes. Gentle and quiet spirit. That part of that is being humble. It's showing that humility. It's. We don't have to be the center of attention to get a guy. Ruth didn't go in here and start making a ruckus and everybody look at me and everybody help yeah. me. And everybody. She just, again, went yeah. to work. She did her thing. And because of her character, he noticed her. And ultimately, that kind of goes hand in hand with the next thing I was going to say about being selfless. Because that kind of character is what's going to attract a godly man. Mm-hmm. Like, when you are being selfless when you're being humble when you're being bold and pursuing what the lord has you know called you to do when you are living your life you know to glorify the lord and to you know spend your time wisely and to do things that have you know that you're gonna reap from a guy who loves the lord is gonna notice that 
And again, that's not why you should do it. But if you're wanting to get noticed, that's a great way to. Because yeah. you are exemplifying those characteristics of what a godly man is going to be looking for in a godly wife. Mm-hmm. And you do that long before you get married. You don't just say I do and then become a godly <laughs> wife when you walk back up the yeah. aisle. Like there, there's preparation to that. Mm-hmm. And some of us get more time to prepare than others. Um, apparently we need it. <laughs> apparently so. But oh. I heard a quote um, the other day that was like, we're all going to get to the same destination, but that doesn't mean God's going to take us to the same destination mm. down the same path. Yeah. And that was such a good reminder of, hey, it may look different for you, but that doesn't mean you can't live it well. And yeah. so. And just in case anyone wasn't sure that destination is heaven. Yes. <laughs> um, not marriage. Just so we're all clear. Ooh. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> That'll preach. That'll preach. <laughs> but yes. Okay. So remember, we talked about, you know, she wasn't looking with all of these things. Her focus was to fulfill the responsibilities and opportunities that God had given her in such a way that he was glorified and she was representing him well. She worked hard. She was diligent. She was not slacking. She wasn't just sitting there waiting for stuff to be handed to her. And I think we can, we would do well to model that same thing. Our focus in life should be to fulfill the responsibilities and the opportunities that God has given us so that he gets the glory for it, so that people see his character in us as our motivation for doing it. Not, like you were saying, doing all those things to find a husband. That's not our primary focus. Exactly, exactly. So, again, these are just a few of the things we picked out from reading through the first couple chapters in Ruth. Please go read it in your own quiet time again you could read the whole book in probably 30 minutes yeah. if that um well and i've got a couple of like sermons and articles on ruth as a whole that i was gonna send you for the newsletter yeah, we'll so we'll have in that newsletter. in there too kind of as a starting point if you want to that's a great take idea. a look at that yeah. um but let's talk for a second before we wrap up of why this idea of waiting for boaz like why it can get a little off course sometimes so Tell me if you agree with this. Doesn't it mm-hmm. seem like this whole idea is just kind of the Christianized version of looking for Prince Charming? Oh, absolutely. Like, if you read those first couple of chapters, like, we know that Boaz, because he, when he approaches, hold on, I'm on chapter one still, when he approaches the field, he greeted them with the Lord be with you, and they, the Lord bless you, They that was their answer. So we know from that, that, his serving the Lord is just kind of infused into his daily life. He takes seriously the the law as it was given. Like we know those things about him, but there is not like a three chapter diatribe on the character of Boaz and how perfect he was and like all of these things. And I feel like we take our view of Prince Charming and then we infuse a lot of those characteristics into Boaz that aren't really spelled out in scripture. And then we make that synonymous with, okay, we're just going to hold out for this perfect guy that God wants to bless us with. And we're just waiting for Boaz and it makes us super spiritual. When in reality, none of that is based on scripture. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting to me, I think it's either in chapter three or four. I can't remember. But when she goes to lay on the yeah, threshing chapter three. F- floor and he like is, is talking to her or whatever, yeah. he, he realizes like, oh, this, you're wanting to marry me. Basically, uh-huh. that's the message she was communicating yeah. non-verbally um he said something along the lines of like you could have been with somebody younger mm. so we're assuming he's older yeah. well and i did read something and kind of researching it that this was the tradition and he would have never he was hold on let me think for a second i think he was like more not parent generation i don't think but he was older and that he would never have proposed marriage to her. He would have never like, like in their way of doing things, he would not have crossed that generational barrier, I guess you could say, yeah, because he was older and that going back to those customs, this is what had to be done because Mm. he would not have ever done that. Yeah. And so again, that's why it's so important that you go read. And this, this is scripture across the board of like, when you hear these, you know, catchy phrases. I'm not going to say it's not catchy because obviously it's enough to where we want to do an episode about it, about waiting for Boaz. But like reading through the whole thing and realizing he doesn't have this, you know, 
14 point list of all the great things about him and all the things we no. know and he was the most handsome man and all of wherever and we don't know anything no, other know than he, he was following the Lord, the Lord and, and we he know was older he than was her older and wise he was yeah. a wise man and I think a lot of times this phrase and this the idea that goes with it is kind of like this misguided like license to just disregard guys in your life who don't meet those idealized standards oh well no I'm just waiting for Boaz. I'm, you know, I'm looking for all these perfect things and I'm just going to wait. God will bring that perfect man to me. Mm-hmm. Nope. No, there's not. I mean, if we want to take Ruth as a dating textbook, like a lot of people do, there's none of that in here. No. She was in the pits. Mm-hmm. Like she was not in a good place. There was no luxury of sitting around waiting for this perfect guy to come sweep her off her feet. But that's how we talk about this phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we just have to be really careful not to romanticize something that isn't a sweeping romantic story in its primary purpose. Yeah. I think this is a great example that love is not primarily emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, there aren't a ton of like emotion words in this. In fact, Boaz being the honorable man that he was when she went and lay on the threshing floor, his first thing was, Oh, actually there's someone who's more closely related to you than I am. Mm. And let's make sure he He doesn't want you before I can marry you. (laughs) Basically though, of like he viewed the law highly enough to follow that. And then it, we all know how it worked out, but it wasn't this, I'm in love with you and I don't care what anyone says or what the tradition is or whatever. That's not what love was. Mm-hmm. There, there, I don't know that it speaks of it being this emotional, we're in love relationship at all. Yeah. Like there's no mention of that really. Yeah. Um, now, before you guys think I'm awful and terrible and don't have a romantic bone in my body, there is one slightly romantic thing of note that okay. I will just read you. This is fascinating. I love I this I did not too. know this and I read through this I, and was either. like, oh my gosh. So this is from a an article on the Ligonier Ministries blog, which obviously we'll put in the newsletter, but I'm just going to read you this one paragraph. And it says, it is worth noting Ruth's position in the Hebrew Bible, the book of Ruth. It is placed directly succeeding Proverbs. As the book of Proverbs illustrates the wisdom of a righteous man, it concludes with chapter 31, the description of the virtuous woman. Ironically, Boaz is wisdom personified. He is a wise man who acts with respect and dignity, even in the most tempting situation. Interestingly, Ruth, a Moabitess, that's a hard word to say, mm-hmm. is personified as the godly woman. In fact, the very language used to describe the Proverbs 31 woman of character, whose, quote, works praise her in the gates, Proverbs 31, 31, is used regarding Ruth in 311, which literally reads, all the gate of my people knows that you are a woman of worth. It is as if the compilers of the Hebrew Bible placed the book of Ruth directly after Proverbs to describe the marriage between the wise man and the virtuous woman. Hmm, I love that. Yeah. At first I did. I missed the Hebrew Bible part. I was like, <laughs> what are these people on? Like Ruth is not near Proverbs. Like you got to keep going. Like I was like, oh, the Hebrew Bible. Read, read all the words, Kristen. Read all the words. Oh, man, but no, I thought funny. that was so cool. Um, Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously what I just read is not scripture. We're not going to treat it as such. We don't know that for sure. But if you think, I mean, there's validity to saying that about this is what marriage between a wise man and a virtuous woman looks like. And it's not some pie in the sky, lovey-dovey, romantic thing. Are those great perks? Yes. But is it the purpose? Kind of like we're talking about the whole book of Ruth. But is that the purpose? No. Mm-hmm. And I think so many times we take our Western modern view of dating relationships and marriage and we try to make them Christian as opposed to looking at scripture and saying, okay, now I want to live my life like this. Yeah. Now don't go lay on anyone's floor. That's yeah. not what I mean. <laughs> but those principles can be applied to us, obviously, just as much as they were then. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, really, all this boils down to, y'all, is Ruth wasn't waiting for Boaz. Ruth was living her life to honor the Lord, 
and to love others yes which are the two greatest commandments jesus gave us Mm -hmm. and in doing so she met her husband right so again this is not an a plus b equals c i'm not saying you go do those things you're gonna meet your husband next week at whole foods that's not how this works (laughs) but the grain section yeah (laughs) go buy you some barley yeah there you go (laughs) um but no it's i know it's a saying but it's far it it misses so much of what she was actually doing it does and i think there's an element of it that's saying what I say, wait for Boaz in the sense of don't settle for someone who's not pursuing the Lord, who isn't showing wisdom, who isn't showing those characteristics you want. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do those things. But don't sit around waiting for him. Be act- We've talked about it before. Be actively waiting for him. Mm-hmm. But is it? does it mean that you can just reject and turn down and, you know, get rid of any guy who doesn't meet this standard that you've created for yourself. And you say, Oh, well, I'm just waiting for God's best. Mm. No, that's not at all what it means. And I think a lot of times it is used as an excuse to do that. And that's not okay. Yeah. So just be wise about that. This is a great, um, thing to be praying about and meditating on the next few days. If you just want to spend some time in Ruth and being like, okay, Lord, Am I missing something? Am I missing the point here? Yeah. Have I been looking for the wrong things? Have I been waiting, quote unquote, for the wrong things? Have I been waiting well? Have I been waiting actively mm-hmm. versus waiting passively? You know, those are all questions I would really encourage you to ask yourself and to ask the Lord to give you clarity on. And he will. He's not going to be like, oh, I'm just going to leave her in the dark and she can figure it out. No, <laughs> yeah. he he wants to give you clarity and wisdom and he will if you ask him for it. So, yes. Um, definitely spend some time this week doing that but we will leave you there thank y'all for joining us again this was a fun one we've got five more episodes this season okay so we're still we still got a ways to go but we'll be back next week with our next episode so stay tuned for that but until then i'm Kristen, and i'm bethany and this is looking for the middle